Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tales from the Crew. We have the awesome uh, production manager, Nathaniel Duber, here today. And, uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're excited to have you on, and uh, appreciate you making time for us during this global pandemic. Absolutely, man. I'm uh, very happy to be here. Very, very excited. Uh, so, yeah, so you've you've worked a lot in features, commercials music videos, um, and, you know, sort of with this, uh, you know, across-the-board experience in production management, would love to just sort of, like, really delve into how you got started and, you know, up to, like, where you are now. We'll sort of uh, kind of figure it out from there. So I'd love to kind of hear your a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, I mean, it really, really all kicked off for me and um, – high school, I kind of, that was when I, you know, fell in love with movies in general. Um, and I, you know, spent a lot of time watching movies for a couple of years and then happened upon a, a little series called Breaking Bad during its second season. And uh, somehow I was like, yeah, man, I got to find a way to be a part of this business. And, um, you know, looked into film schools and was really enthralled with the idea of directing. And so um, I ended up going to uh, Chapman in 2010 and, you know, went there with the, you know, focus and intent for directing. And, you know, I like to say, um, I went there not knowing what a director did only that I wanted to be one. And, uh, so yeah, you know, went there and did that and kind of, you know, had a nice college experience for the first two years. You know, when I realized that like, you got to spend 12, 14, 16 hours on set, I'm like, you know, what person, you know, what sane person would willingly subject themselves to that. And, um, dabbled here and there trying to figure out what I wanted to do with directing. And, uh, eventually after, um, doing, you know, my, my latter two films, it was like, you know, a nine page piece in the senior thesis, uh, directing, uh, graduated, left. And then once I got into the, you know, real world, so to speak, my first job, uh, that I ever got was a second, second AD. On what, this, uh, what, what year was that? 2014. Got it. 2014. So that was when I graduated. Um, yeah, I got this, um, job as a second, second AD on this real low budget, uh, feature called Billy boy. And, you know, working for no money, you know, by comparison, uh, you know, with what, you know, I mean, with what even like a, a PA would make today. But um, yeah, that was because uh, I had AD'd a lot during college as well. Like that was kind of the role that I had filled on other people's sets. I would usually be the first AD. And then thankfully, I had impressed the first AD on that set. And he hit me up, you know, a number of times after that to PA and AD for him. And, you know, he'd recommend me for jobs. And that was kind of the first year, year and a half was, you know, paying the bills, doing AD and PA work. And then in the meanwhile, when I was still trying to focus on directing, um, there were small projects that I would have to produce myself. And as that kind of year and a half went on, um, I found that with my directing projects, I was way more enthralled with the idea that, you know, I got, 30 people together to execute something than I was with the actual creative product. Um, 
And so after doing like, you know, a number of trial by fire producing jobs, um, just figuring it out myself and trying to emulate what the producers at the school had done, um, I decided, you know what, maybe, maybe production is the better realm. And so I put the focus on producing and then, um, eventually I actually got in with the, um, the two guys who were the producer and PM on that feature. And I was like, Hey, I'd done a number of jobs with them since that point. And I was like, I would like you guys to be my mentors because I want to move into coordinating and I'd love to learn, you know, from you guys. And so that's kind of the, you know, trajectory that I went through to go from, all right, like, you know, directing through ADing into eventually reaching, you know, production and production management. That seems like sort of uh the way when I, you know, talk to most people that are in production, you, you kind of start with like what you can see. It's like a, a show or something that inspires you. And from there, it's like directing, acting, um, producing, maybe, you know, people sort of just jump towards those, you know, those roles. And then as you start figuring yourself out as being part of the production team, it's cool to kind of figure out like the right place that you fit in, like, you know, you're the best fit. And um, I think that's a really cool process for uh, anyone starting out to have sort of a, an open mind with uh, the possibility of maybe you're not going to be an actor or maybe you're not going to be a director, but you should start there and see how it goes. Yeah. I think that was, I think that's, I think that's one of the more interesting things about it where, you know, if you don't, necessarily know you know how film is made or how the process works it's it's interesting when you finally get a glimpse of you know how much effort and how much technical knowledge and how much coordination goes into the entire process because you know there's there's no you know there's no academy awards or major broadcasts for you know a lot of the the roles that actually execute the project uh, you know you have the you have the key creative forces and you know the the folks who really make it happen on on the upper level. But, um, you know, when I started to realize that there were all these other facets to the business that I didn't understand. Um, and also that, you know, it was, it was really difficult for me to like sit down and be creative in the way that, you know, a writer or a director would, it's like, that is like, that is a task to be able to do that and to be able to sit down every day and, you know, churn over creative ideas or find creative approaches to things. It's, you know, it, it was something that's, didn't come naturally to me. So when I happened upon, you know, having to produce stuff, I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Like this is, this, this is a legitimate skill set that I didn't necessarily know applied. Cause even in school, you know, I didn't fully understand what it was my producers did. It was just, you know, that they made things happen, but yeah. you know, not really understanding all the underlying mechanics of, of what it would take to make this production, you know, come to fruition. That That's, um, that's a pretty uh, like linear transition as well, starting in the AD department and then learning how that department functions mm. and then evolving into producing and production management and really sort of um, doing more uh, production management. But I think having that experience in the AD department um, is, is massively beneficial. Yeah, I think... Um and I, I do think a certain degree of it was luck, um, just that I happened to fall into that. You know, that was a role that I didn't know much about in college, but you know, I had to I had to fulfill that for a course requirement, and you know, kind of took to it. And 
I do think that um, that being able to kind of start at the bottom in that regard, like being able to PA on set, being able to be in the trenches, but also even as a PA, it was like having had the opportunity to AD things and run a set, um, you know, no matter how, you know, kind of ramshackle it may have been in the, the early days and still figuring things out. Um, it does, it does inform a lot of the decisions that you make. Cause you know, if you know, or if you have to, I guess, you know, shovel shit as it were, um, as a PA, it's like, you start thinking of like, well, you know, are there ways that, you know, this could have been avoided or are there, you know, problems or pitfalls that I would consistently run into where I'm like, wait, is, is there a way that, you know, the folks at the top of the line can, you know, address this ahead of time so that, you know, we don't have to worry about putting out fires as much as, you know, we just mitigate them or, you know, we can actively contribute in ways that, you know, we're not fighting to prevent time from being lost as much as we are like making sure that we can get even more time on the day to execute the creative. Yeah. Cause that's really the challenge is how many setups you can get in a day. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's the ultimate responsibility of production in a way is like given the resources, the time, the money and the personnel that we are given, we have to try and, assemble this infrastructure for any given job under unique circumstances that can maximize the amount of time the creative people have to be creative and to execute that creative. So I think that, you know, underneath all of that is obviously, you know, payroll and vendors and call sheets and phone calls and emails and coordination, but it's all, it's all in the service of the fact that, when you get there on the shoot day, time is in fact money. Um, you can calculate probably down to the minute or second what it costs you to be there. And so you want to make sure with all the time and resources and people that you are given that, you know, those folks who are there to execute whatever the creative is have as much time as, you know, you are able to give them. Right. And, and you sort of, you're at the point now where you can sort of imagine how it's going to be executed you know, as you're kind of building the foundational elements from the, the budget and the schedule and kind of you're, you're sort of building out the, the fundamentals um, before you execute, I guess, before you even go into pre-production. Um, what's your general process for that? Um, well, I'd say, I mean, I'd say for the most part, you know, being freelance, it's like my, my job starts with pre-production, at least in most cases. Um, you know, the, I don't have, I don't have quite as much involvement in the jobs in the earlier phases. It's like, you know, that's usually whoever, whoever the, you know, freelance producer happens to be, it's like, you know, they could have been bidding and scheduling and preliminarily location scouting for, you know, weeks ahead of time. Um, so I, I, I'm probably not, probably not the person I like ideally suited to talk about that, but, um, you know, I can, I can elaborate more on the process from a different, I guess, from a different perspective, if you, if you'd like. Yeah, I guess when you're handed the baton. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, it's, um, I think I've got kind of a unique perspective in a way, because especially in the like mid to low budget realm, um, I will find myself as like the production manager on a job, but, you know, maybe won't have a coordinator or even an office PA. So it's like all of those roles kind of fall to me. And it's like, you know, if there's, if there's no location manager, if there's no gang boss, it's like, all right, like 
that's you know there's there's a lot of that. that. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of details that kind of fall on my shoulders to be able to execute and you know that's really the first thing I kind of get a grasp on is once I'm handed a budget um I mean oftentimes I'm like before I even accept the job I'll be like hey can I get a look at this budget um I want to see what it's set up for I want to get a look at the creative it's you know that's kind of the initial phases of whether or not you know I choose to take on a job is going to be all right what's the you know how much work has been done ahead of time how you know how tailored is the budget to this creative um and kind of analyzing you know all the line items that are put in place versus you know what the what the producer has in mind big picture and that's i mean that's really the the key thing and where my where my role fits in is the producer you know they they are steering the ship they are the the captain overall. And so, or the, you know, in this case it'd be like, you know, the CEO. And then my role is the COO and, you know, I'm the, you know, the head of the operations and I am the kind of the first resource in terms of the actual execution and getting, you know, physical assets and personnel on board. So, you know, what I really want to make sure is that I'm able to execute the detail work that a, you know, producer is kind of laid out in the big picture aspect because, you know, they're, they're thinking of steps, you know, maybe A and B, but then my job entails handling steps, you know, C through Z um, on the, you know, the operation side of things. So that's really my initial, initial step to it is just going to be comparing the budget to the creative, to the, plan that the producer is kind of laid out in terms of how we should execute this and on what timeline it's going to be executed. Um, I think you bring up a really good point with taking a look at the budget and the creative and what's kind of been, um, put together in terms of the uh, production plan before you agree to a job, because I'm sure there are some projects that it's just not possible or it's, it's so much of a, a risk or a gamble that in the long run, it's just not worth it. And I feel like, you know, with experience becomes that understanding that as much as you'd love to take the job, it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah. I do think that that plays more into the decision if the job's longer, you know, if you're going to be spending, you know, six months on a feature or if it's like, you know, this massive undertaking, that's going to be a whole two years. That's really something to consider. Thankfully, I don't run into that quite as much in the, uh, you know, music video and commercial realm because I can, you know, look at the job. I can look at the schedule. I can look at the timeline. And I'm like, even if I know the job's going to be a doozy, I can be like, all right, you know, we're in and out in three weeks. So thankfully it's like there, it's one of those cases where even if I know it's going to be difficult and improbable, um, I can at least bring those concerned up concerns up initially. And that'll be part of the dialogue that I have with the producer. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm looking at this number and you know, it doesn't seem to align with, you know, this creative side of things, you know, and they may have already thought of a workaround for that. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where my mind goes initially because, you know, I tend to think that the producer is, you know, they want to make as much happen as possible. And I want to, I guess I, I want to, I want to do that as much as possible with them, but I'm also thinking, you know, however many steps down the line it's going to take, what, what, what pitfalls am I going to run into that could 
make them fall short on their promise. And so I think I, that's, that's where I really rely on the producer to, you know, have a good big picture idea of what they want to execute. And if they've thought of a creative workaround that makes that number feasible, I'm like, okay, cool. We've, you know, I've got a, I've got a alternative approach to, you know, how to do this. Cause it's, it's no, it's not just the aspect of like, I was like, Oh, I don't think we have enough money for this. So it's impossible. It's like, sometimes it could be, Hey, you know, maybe we'll be pulling favors or sometimes it's like, Oh, we're actually getting this for free or Hey, here's like, you know, some kind of, here's some resource that I don't directly have, but is affiliated with the project that can make it happen. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a big part of, you know, my initial dialogue with them. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you're working gig to gig, it's like, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, I'll, I'll, if, if the money's worth it, it's like, all right, let's, let's take the job. And even then it's like, if I, if it's a producer I like to work with, or if it's a project where I'm like, yeah, this is something that I really like to be a part of, you know, you, you kind of weigh all of those things together when it comes to whether or not you personally want to take a job. But, um, you know, thankfully I've, I've had, I've had the good fortune to be able to have a lot of jobs where, I mean, nothing's ever been, nothing's ever been completely off the wall insane where it's like, yeah, there's no way this will ever happen. That's, um, that's, that's one of the things that I think is actually kind of, I don't know, miraculous or magical isn't the word, but you know, you, you get this group of people together that are all kind of fixing towards the same goal. And one way or another, even if it, even if it doesn't work out exactly the way that it's written on the page, the, the combination of, you know, creativity and, you know, skill sets that are in place allow for something like it or, you know, even better to come out of it. Yeah. We talk about that all the time on, on this podcast about like the magic that happens on set. And, you know, obviously there are a ton of challenges, tons of obstacles and, and, and lots of impossibilities that arise, you know, spur of the moment. And it's, mm. it's like when you have the amount of skill set, when you have the amount of creative talent, there's really, there's really nothing you can't accomplish. I mean, there's always ideas that are circling. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about filmmaking is being part of that moment where we all figure out a way to, to make something work or move past a challenge. And I think you know, that is uh, is sort of a cornerstone of, of production, but it's also um, having really good communication from the beginning mm-hmm. and, and building up um, a good relationship with different department heads and with the uh, the overall production crew. Precisely. And I think one of the things that I've learned as as time has gone on and as I've been able to kind of sink my teeth into you know, production itself is, you know, when you don't understand it, it's like, all right, production as a whole is like, all right, that's, that's the infrastructure. That's where, you know, all the yeses and nos come from. That's where all the paperwork goes. That's where, you know, you know, that's the, that's the major input for pretty much everything. But I think what I've, you know, started to realize as time has gone on is that, you know, production as a whole is, you know, the the production department, I should say, it's like, we are reliant on, I guess, having a structure. I think this, this kind of, it stems from like, you know, we have this, we have this structure that we kind of lay down as like the main template for pretty much any job overall. But 
as we as we grow as the project develops it's like it needs to be it needs to be malleable to address the needs of you know any particular job it's like there are some cases where it's like if you're doing the same type of job over and over again it's like yeah you can get a very very rinse and repeat very easy to execute type of scenario but then you know when you've got you know different creative needs when you know you've got a job that's got you know 100 extras or you know you are you know you're building you know new york city on a los angeles stage it's like the the demands and requirements of your department are going to shift in some ways where it's like, yeah, you're still knocking out paperwork, but you know, the way that you need to communicate and the people that you need to communicate to and the kind of delegation that you need to do is is always changing. And so I think that's that is one of the enticing things about this business where, you know, it, it literally is a different job every day. And it's like, yeah, I may still be, you know, I may still be filling out the same time cards at like rap, but the the thrill of having this challenge that, you know, looms in front of you that can seem daunting and then finding ways to overcome it. It's, it, it really results in this like, you know, great catharsis and sense of achievement because, you know, there is, there is this sense of reward in being able to, you know, overcome a problem, whether you're alone or a team, it's, it is one of those things that does make the job worthwhile. Even if in the moment, sometimes you're like, ah, man, like, how do I get myself involved in this? At the end of the day, it is, it is, it is a part of what makes this job very worthwhile. Yeah. Because no, no matter how long you work in production, how many years you uh, spend working in production and mastering your craft, uh, it's, it's only as good up until the next project. And each new project, you're going to be challenged no matter how much experience you have. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like you said, it's never boring. Yeah. And I, I had been, um, talking kind of during this, this quarantine time with a, uh, with this, uh, line producer that I had met recently. And we were just talking about the way that we, we think about production and the way that we approach it. And it's, it's interesting how there's kind of a set way to do things, but at the same time, there's always going to be somebody out there who, you know, may approach it a slightly different way. So I think what's interesting is you, it, at least, at least as far, you know, in my limited experience, it's like, I don't have decades behind me, but you know, every time I go out and kind of see how production is done or when I talk about production or when I listen to people talking about production, about 70% of it is, you know, affirming what you already know or what you've already experienced. But then the other 30% is this constant opportunity to, to learn something new or reapproach a way that you, you know, do something right now. Um, and I think that is, that is what makes it, that is what makes it, you know, interesting in that way, because at least from what I've seen, while we do have this structure of how, you know, production works, there's still a myriad of ways to do it. It isn't just, there is no one true path that every single person follows and every single person adheres to within the business. Yeah, exactly. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, I think there are like fundamental items in terms of like crew positions, budgets, schedules mm-hmm. that, that, but it's like how you fill those out and the strategy you incorporate. Um, are so uniquely different from production to production and from person to person. It's, um, it's, uh, almost like you have to have an open mind towards anyone's process because it, it could elevate your own process that you think 
is the perfect process for this particular project. Yeah, yeah, and I think that again, have you know, doing doing a variety of different projects and you know, approaching things different ways. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you know, each project, you know, you kind of build up your your network of crew um, and your network of vendors. How consistent is that with like use, working with the same vendors? You know, same camera companies or uh, catering. Do you find that it's some are better for some projects, or you try to really build long-term relationships with vendors? Uh, the answer to all of those is yes. Um, <laughs> I think the, you know, v- vendor relationships are, you know, one of the biggest assets that, you know, coordinators and production managers have. Um, I find, you know, when you're working at larger companies, larger commercial companies or music video companies, they will have, you know, preferred vendors, which, you know, they've kind of established very good relationships with, um, you know, many times like to a point of exclusivity where it's like, you have to go through this vendor and, you know, in exchange, it's like, they, they give good rates, they give good discounts. They will, you know, really go to bat for you. You know, if you need like something for next to nothing. Um, and that's, that's always great to have in your corner. Um, as a production manager, when you do find yourself back against the wall, you know, if, if a budget's really tight. Um, and then the other side of it too, is like, you know, when, you go to, you know, a smaller company or for like an independent producer, it's like very often it's like, yeah, they are going to be reliant on, you know, the connections that their freelance teams have. And so, you know, for a point, it's like, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest relationships that I as a, you know, production manager like to have are going to be my production supply house because that's, you know, really one of the ultimate vendors that I'm going to have a principal say over. Um, so it's going to be the production supply house, the catering companies, knowing obviously which catering companies are, you know, going to be able to come out for, you know, a 15 to 20 person crew. Cause it's like, you know, a lot of them will have a minimum of like, you know, 30, you know, 30 heads. Yeah. Um, other times it's like, you know, I, okay, cool. I want a 15 person crew, but I would like to do something, you know, a little bit more, you know, lux than, you know, Chipotle catering. Yeah. So, you know, find, finding those folks, you know, whether, you know, whether that is a catering company or whether it's, you know, whether it's an independent operator, um, you know, that's, that's always, that's always going to work in your favor. It's like, you know, if you, if you need to ask a favor, it's like, you know, they'll, they'll be down for the cause if, you know, you've shown a loyalty to them and been like, Hey, you know, I'm going to hire you for all these jobs and you bring them on for those jobs. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's, you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, being able to say like, I'll hire you on the next one. And it's like, I'm totally guilty of, you know, saying that. And it's like, you know, obviously I hit them up, but you know, it's, it's a, it can be a a very hit or miss world. And so, you know, you want to try and avoid making those, making those promises. It's funny. I feel like, uh, and I think I'm guilty of it too. When you first start out, you say that to everybody, Oh yeah, we're going to do a ton of stuff together. But then as you start doing a ton of stuff, it becomes more real and it's more of a, a, a real thing. Yeah. And some, and sometimes too, it's like, you know, you, you overestimate the, you know, the exact degree of influence you may have. It's like, sometimes you're like, all right, cool. Like you've got your caterer, you know, you get your caterer that you like to use on all your jobs, but then, you know, you go to a production company and it's like, Oh no, like, you know, we have a preferred caterer or, you know, the producer wants this caterer or the director wants this caterer or you know, the client wants this caterer. There's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot more, you know, bureaucracy in in that realm which you know is something that you have to abide by it's like you aren't necessarily always going to get your way um 
you know, that's, that's not, that's not to say like, Oh, Hey, you know, don't build up these, these relationships, but you know, there's uh, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, you know, empty promises. Cause I've been, you know, I've been on the end of those where it's like, Oh, Hey, you know, I've got like, you know, you know, somebody telling me like, Oh, we've got six jobs coming up that like, you know, we want you to run. And I'm like, you know, sitting there looking at my watch for, you know, two weeks being like, Hey, is this happening? And then lo and behold, you know, that job I was supposed to do, you know, pops up in a fit pops up on the Facebook timeline. And wow. I'm like, all right. And I'm like, all right, like, you know, you, you don't want to be in the end of that. And you also, you know, you want to do everything you can to not be that person. It's a really good lesson for just production is like to really put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Really know their struggle and be, and be supportive of their struggle. Yeah. And, ult- and ultimately, I mean, it goes, you know, this, this kind of goes all the way up the chain where it's like, you know, the, you know, you, you know, like the, the production manager says it to their coordinator, you know, the producer says it to their production manager. It's like, ultimately at the end of the day, like it's, it's even going to go up to these production companies because these production companies got to fight for work too. It's like, you know, they got to bid, they got to win, you know, then they got to decide on the producer. And it's like, it even comes to the point where like, all right, cool. Is the company who is going to be paying for this or the artist or whoever it will be, you know, are they going to go for that director's idea? You know, there's so many, there's so many what ifs going all the way up the chain that, you know, don't allow you to kind of make those promises that far down the line. It's like free willing promise. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, you know, there are, there are folks, you know, who, you know, they, they obviously do hit a point where they can make good on that. And, you know, they are, they are very genuine and very legitimate. And those are, you know, those are all great. It's just, you know, I know in those earlier phases or when you are, you know, when you are very heavily freelance, it's like, it's, it's, it's something, it's something to be wary of and just, you know, keep in mind how often one says that. Right. Because then it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. Cause it's like, you can't say, Hey, are you available? But no one will take you seriously because of so many projects that have fallen through. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those cases where, you know, it's in, you know, it's a, it's a different, you know, it's a different story when you have, you know, a case where, you know, they're bidding and they're waiting on an award and it's like, yeah, of course, of course, you know, I'll throw a soft hold, you know, on, on those days. And, you know, you follow up and be like, Hey, you know, I got another, I got another offer that came through. What's, what's the status on yours. But, um, you know, and one of those cases too, is just avoiding, you know, avoiding that scenario where, you know, you keep getting booked on things that always fall through and, you know, you're missing out on other work. Right. Which I think um, it goes back to your point initially of just really analyzing each project and making sure it's like a good fit for you. Yeah. Or, and, you know, act of God force major can, can always occur. Can always occur. Act of God force major can always occur. Oh, wow. Can't even <laughs> say occur. Force major can always occur. But, By the way, um, it's impressive if you can pull it off because force majeure can always, I can't even do it either. Yeah. Cool. Um, oh, did I, did I answer, did I answer kind of the question on vendors? I know I kind of made the pivot from like vendors to like overall relationships. Um, yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, you know, one of the things that's really fascinating to me is um, the relationships that production managers have with vendors. And that's certainly a massive value um, when you have an experienced production manager coming into a project, it could, it could really have a, a positive impact on the budget. It could have a positive impact on the locations you're at. Um, but I think the real connective tissue is making sure that the department heads are signing off on those vendors also and communicating 
what is available, what's possible at these vendors ahead of time before, I guess, going too far down the line and being like, well, no, this is the G&E company we're using, the group and electric company we're using. And, um, you know, making sure that the, the, the key department heads are, are signing off on those vendors. Yeah. And that's, that's another, um, interesting dance that kind of, you know, exists in that realm and what, you know, something that I still wrestle with too, is like, one of the things that I always like to do, especially for GE, is like, you know, if those GE guys own their own gear, I'm like, hey, look, if I can throw you guys some money, if you can hit, if you can hit us where we need to go, you know, then then by all means, I'm happy to use your gear. Um, you know, it's it's one of those cases too, though, where you want to be able to get as much information ahead of time uh, before the shoot day, because I think you know, if if you got a, if you got a tight timeline, and you know, you say you're tech scouting, you know, a day out. Um, you know, with one prep day, it's like, that's relatively common, but at the same time, it's like, you don't want to be sitting there on your prep day, you know, swamped with a ton of th- things and find yourself kind of tied to a point where you need to make a lot of changes in G and E and not have the flexibility, um, for those kinds of negotiations. So, you know, there's, it's, it, it behooves you to really have, you know, those kinds of vendors grip and electric or, you know, all in one in your back pocket, ready to go. And I mean, this is, you know, this is, this was a lesson that this is a lesson that I had learned, you know, again, you know, on a, on a job like relatively recently where we had this massively tight turnaround, um, from our tech scout to our shoot day and the DP and his, uh, gaffer were shooting the following day, the day before our shoot. And, you know, the G and E house was not able to really, come in where we needed to go. And I was like, look, we'll go with your preferred vendor if they can hit the, hit the bottom line. And, you know, I had, uh, I didn't have like a proper breakdown of all the gear that we had needed. And so as a result, it's like, you know, getting that, getting that list from them and like getting it to other vendors to try and get quotes and then try and, you know, hit the number before we started cutting stuff, you know, it ended up being completely fine, but you know, it was that mad dash where a little bit of, you know, a little bit of foresight, you know, and just having, you know, multiple quotes going out can be helpful. But at that same time, you also run, you also don't want to run into that realm where it's like, all right, great. Like I've had this company put together, you know, this, this quote super last minute to see if they can, you know, get a truck ready to go by tomorrow morning. And then, you know, we got to cancel it at 9 PM the night before the shoot. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes right, and you're telling the guy, hang on a second, I'm just going to get confirmation. It should be all good. Yep. And you got to, yeah. you know, you got to run it up the chain and you know, it's, it's even worse when, you know, your, your working budget is, you know, your working budget is already over and you know, yeah. you don't, you don't have the control to authorize more money. It's, um, you know, and that's, you know, that, in that case, you know, you really, you really do come down to the mercy of the time crunch at certain times. Um, but again, it's like, I know I'm going to run into that again on production. And so it's like, all right, what are the ways going forward, you know, that I can mitigate that. And, you know, the way to do it is like, all right, you know, make sure you have that, make sure you have that full gear list, make sure you've got, you know, your, your key vendors lined up and being like, Hey, look, you know, here's the list. And I think, you know, the other side of it too, which, I mean, it's, it'd be, you know, I'd be interested to know kind of what the best way to go about this is because, you know, if you can, if you can make, you know, your department heads happy by going with their preferred vendors, I'm like, to, to me, that's like, that's, that's just another feather in their cap. 
But, you know, if you want to have your vendor ready to go as a backup, you know, what's the, what's the best communication for it where you're like, Hey, look, we're probably going to go with this other one, but you know, can you give me a quote for this? It's like, you don't want to be that guy that's basically using them as a check bid. Right. You know, as a, you know, that's the thing you don't like having done to you as a producer or as a production company. It's like, you don't want to put all this work into a, a bid for a project just to know that they were using you to check the price versus, you know, somebody that they already plan to go with. Well, well, let me just say, I think, do you have a process with working with department heads where you have um, a timeline of when you'll need things by? Because I know that on a super tight production timeline, um, you don't always have that advantage. But when you do, is do you have sort of a, a regimented workflow with communicating with, you know, art department, G&E, making sure that you know who the vendors are uh, ahead of time, you know what their needs are ahead of time. And do you, how do you communicate that? Yeah. I mean, if, you know, provided we have, you know, a relative, you know, relatively, uh, you know, decent timeline, something that isn't just like, all right, go, 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 go. Um, you know, once, once the keys are on like G&E side, I'll hit them up and just be like, you know, Hey, no, you don't. I know you don't have a, I, I know they won't have a full gear list cause we haven't tech scouted, but you know, I'll always inquire if they've been talking with the DP and if they have an idea of the package that, you know, they might want. Um, so I'll kind of use that as a baseline and I'll ask what their preferred vendors are. Um, and just be like, all right, cool. Like, you know, we, we like to use these ones and then I'll be like, all right, cool. Here's my preferred one. I'm going to have that lined up as well. Um, and then, you know, I mean, the, the ideal scenario is, you know, at the end of the tech scout, hopefully I've got a full gear package by the end of the tech scout to submit, you know, either middle or end of day. Um, and if I have the information ahead of time, it's like, I'm getting the conversation with the vendors going ahead of time. Um, art department, art department, I think, uh, art department is always, always interesting because I always like to view them in some ways as like almost like a satellite production realm. Cause it's like, they they really maintain a lot of their, you know, they maintain a lot of their own vendors. It's just like here, open these accounts. And then once that rolls, you know, once they've started getting accounts rolling, you know, I will touch base with all of those vendors as we get closer to the shoot and just be like, Hey, send me all the current quotes that we have so that I can, you know, cross reference it with the budget. But you know, that's, that's one of those cases where because they are, they are such a department that is reliant on creative. Um, and, you know, contribute to the creative in that way. Um, I try to leave them to their own devices just a little bit more where, you know, unless the numbers are really starting to scare me, I'll kind of let them do their thing because the last thing I want to do is tell them, Hey, you can't do this. If it's, you know, essential to the director's vision. Um, and you know, if it's, you know, if it's obviously kind of like a big setup or a big cost and then it's like, all right, you know, justify this, justify yeah. this to me. Um, but you know, it, it, it always seems the procedure first and foremost, like if we're going to, if we're going to, you know, cut down, it's like, we're going to cut down on, you know, physical assets like grip and lighting before we're going to cut down on, you know, the way that a set looks. Um, yeah, I guess with that, did that, that answer the question? What was, uh, I feel like there was a second part to that. Yeah, no, that totally answered the question. And, you know, I think, uh, with, with our department, I think you're exactly right. How it's a sort of a satellite entity where, um, it's, it's almost impossible <laughs> to really, to really manage item by item. 
uh, of what they need. But, you know, I think um, having a good communication ahead of time is sort of a paramount approach to being able to help them go day by day because I'm sure their orders are staggered and things are being returned um, and picked up and will need trucks. And so, you know, I can only imagine as a, as a PM trying to have to stay on top of that. So I'm sure, you know, what's, what's the relation with like with uh, you and an art director? I mean, in, you know, the, the coordinator side of me, you know, on so many jobs where I have to, you know, PM and coordinate. So it's like, you know, I'm no stranger yeah. to having open a lot of art accounts. And so, you know, when there is an art director or an art coordinator on board who, you know, A, will handle the opening of those accounts for me. I'm just like, you are my best friend. <laughs> you are uh, a blessing. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, you know, God, God bless you. Cause it's like, you know, they, I totally hear you. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's great when you know, they, they do have that, you know, that coordinator and PM mindset, except, you know, it ties just to the art department. And so, you know, I do think that there is, there is some kindred spirits, you know, to production in that way. Um, in realms where I, you know, in realms where I don't have one, I think one of the, I mean, in either case, you know, I like to kind of ask the, you know, the art department and just be like, Hey, are there any kind of, you know, big ticket items within your creative that you feel are going to, you know, present some difficulty with the budget that you're given? And again, it's, you know, it's getting that conversation started early on. And, you know, a lot of that time, you know, if those are issues that I really do like to bring, you know, our producer in on because, because it does inform the creative uh, in such a way, it's like, that that is a decision where it's like if it really if it really is compromising to the budget it's like all right we got to bring the director in on this yeah you know? so the, those are the cases where you know when it comes to art department i really do like to have i really do like to have uh you know a dialogue going with with the production designer or you know the art director as well as myself and the line producer uh, just because you know all of those together that one probably more than you know probably more than a lot of the other departments is going to be, you know, is going to coexist between the creative and the budgetary realm. I was just going to say that you're almost like at the epicenter or, yeah. hold, or holding the balance to a production of what, what is possible and, and, and what is uh, wanted, you know, like what is desired. And, and, you know, I'm sure it's a, quite a dance. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, it's like, you know, it, it, it really, you know, it really helps when you do have, you know, an art department that, you know, has, has a very, very keen understanding of money that is, you know, kind of congruent with the way that production views it. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've, you know, they, nine times out of 10, you know, it goes along swimmingly. And that's, that's part of, you know, that's part of that initial communication is like, all right, Hey, out of all the things that you see on here, are there any red flags in terms of art that, you know, you're going to want some extra support from us from, or, you know, is there something that we got to kind of push back on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's one of the more, you know, that's one of the, one of the, uh, the dances that production has with the departments. That's got a few more, you know, complicated steps that aren't quite as straightforward as I think some of the other ones are. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that I, it's funny cause uh, we're spending a lot of time on this, but it's, really just one facet of, of, of many facets that, that you're focusing on in production. It's just, you know, vendors, uh, department relations, but there's also, um, you know, working with a production account and kind of managing the budget. Um, and there's also, 
um, uh, I don't know, tons of other, you know, fires that come up during the day. And, and I'm sure a big, a big portion of also what you do is, um, do you do work with payroll or with, um, um, kind of helping with that process or is that sort of outside of what you do? Yeah, no, I've got a, uh, I've got a, you know, good, good interaction with payroll. There's, you know, and again, a part of it depends on the size of the company. Like, you know, there's, there's small companies that I work with where, you know, I essentially interact directly with payroll the whole way through, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, ha- I handle all, you know, the invoice reviews and, you know, that's like, you know, you're talking a, a very small two person company where, I, you know, I've built a good deal of trust and rapport, but then when you're working at, you know, any medium to large size company, it's like as the PM, you know, you, you check all the time cards, you know, you make sure all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. You know, you follow whatever procedure they have in place, whether that's scanning them in or whether, you know, you're getting all the copies together and they get mailed in. Um, But in those cases, it's like you have a very, you know, very direct connection with accounting and just knowing their procedures and, you know, knowing what has to be done to make sure that um, everything's taken care of accordingly. And so, you know, at least in my experience, usually when I'm PMing a job, it's like, all right, cool, I'll get the payroll sent in accounting is in the loop on it. And then, you know, payroll will send the invoice for review. Um, and then again, like I'll be involved with accounting where it's like, you know, they'll payroll will let me know if they see any discrepancies from my time cards, I will go through and make sure that all the totals still look accurate, that there wasn't anything that got misentered. And then, you know, what, whoever the company controller is, or, you know, if there's a member of accounting that has the final sign off on payroll, then it's like they are, you know, the last kind of person that that has to go through um, to finally approve and release payroll. Yeah. So it's amazing. So that's uh, payroll. And then um, um, what about like uh, just staying on budget and working with production accountants? What's your experience with sort of managing the day to day? Do you, do you kind of um, check in on payroll or, or, or production reports or, uh, how does it how does it work for you in terms of kind of managing the day to day in terms of staying on budget? Uh, for this, yeah, for this, I'll focus on smaller jobs. I I don't think my uh, like my my feature experience again has been so ragtag and nitty gritty. It's like the line producer and myself would be doing the basic <laughs> accounting. Um, right. li- li- literally, literally had a movie where they completely cut the accounting department to pay for camera. Right. We got the accounting department for two days. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, I mean, on those, on those smaller form jobs, it's like, you know, we're, we're relatively isolated in terms of managing the budget. You know, it's like between, between myself, the coordinator and the line producer, it's like, as long as, as long as our numbers are lining up in terms of the quotes that we're getting, as long as, you know, nothing big has popped up for us in terms of changes of creative or, you know, anything that would lead us to believe that, you know, the cost is going to spike somewhere that it shouldn't. Um, we usually don't have, we usually don't have, you know, any kind of reporting that we'll do to the production company. Um, you know, that's usually the day to day. And it's like, obviously, you know, the, the procedures for, for keeping the budget up to date, um, you know, things that I like to do are obviously as soon as that budget's locked, the estimated's locked and we get the working going, it's like, okay, cool. The, the bid is locked. Here's our true North. Yeah. And, you know, obviously there's going to be switches here and there that, you know, we will have control over in terms of moving money. But, you know, if something comes up that 
really causes a, that really causes a variance that like makes my eyebrows raise. I'm like, okay, is this something that I can handle on my own? Um, you know, with the authority that I'm given other times I'm like, you know, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's a communication is key. So, you know, hitting up the line producer and being like, Hey, here's something that's, that's happened that may, you know, that may affect the creative or may affect the production in a way that, you know, we don't want it to. Um, so it's, you know, it's really about kind of maintaining that level of communication upwards and then also maintaining the level of communication downwards with the coordinator. And that's one of the things that, you know, again, when I do, when I'm, you know, doing all this on my own, it's relatively easy. But when I do have a coordinator, one of the things that I like to do is have an kind of end of the day, just review with the coordinator to go over any updated costs. Cause the coordinator's handling all those, you know, vendors. Right. And so I'm just like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I know that you've got, you've got quotes held with catering. You've got production supplies. You've got, you know, you've got the, you've got the techno crane holding. You've got, you know, our layout board company, you've got security holding, just making sure like all those quotes that have come in, I'm like, let's make sure that all of those ones are reflected in the running budget. So that at the end of the day, you know, once these numbers have really started coming in, we know exactly where we stand. Um, and that's, you know, at its, at its most basic, that is, that is one of the best things that you can do as a, um, as a production manager is just, you know, again, you make sure you make sure that, you know, the budget is, you know, up to date pretty much at all times. Yeah. Cause I feel like that, that's sort of the core focus is, you know, like just looking at like, uh, say a 15 day indie film shoot it's it sort of almost falls on you to keep going from day to day without things going out of whack yeah and i mean essentially that's, making days yeah and that's you know i think that's why i liken the the production manager to the coo of a company you know they are you know the buck stops at them in terms of the operations yeah you know they are they are the the primary authority on all of that and that and, you know, if something kind of is, you know, beyond their pay grade or, you know, beyond the scope of what they are, you know, allowed to make a final decision on, then they run it up the chain. But, you know, they are essentially the, you know, kind of the key person who deals with, you know, they act as the, the I guess, the, the analytic and operations advisor to the producer. Yeah, because you're almost like forecasting what it's going to look like for the run of the show. Exactly. And then dealing with like the trajectory of how close you were to that forecast. Exactly. And it's like, you know, if something, if something is changing, that's not bad. If you are planning for it to change that way, you know, that's, that's really, you know, and you know, forecasting, I think is a great way to view that because, you know, you can, you can say like, all right, cool. Like, you know, we want this shoot to look like an apple. And if it's suddenly starting to look like an orange, you're kind of like, all right, why is that? And, you know, what can be done to remedy that? Yeah. Um, and I guess that kind of falls back in line with like, when you're on set, you have a whole crew of, uh, you know, talented, creative, talented production personnel that can kind of work together to help find those solutions. Mm -hmm. If it's sort of, you know, out of your control. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's, that's another one of the, that's another one of the key things too, to understand about, you know, the, the collaborative nature. Cause you know, something that I, you know, I still get is I always have this, I always have this like, you know, kind of nervous pit in my stomach the day before a shoot. Cause you're just like, you've spent all this time prepping and projecting and you have an, you imagine, you know, 
how the shoot day is going to go and you've, you know, forecasted as many, you know, pitfalls and, you know, contingencies as you had the time to be able to project. And, you know, still, I'll still just be like, oh man, like, you know, what, what haven't I thought of, you know, just my mind being in the details in that regard. But then, you know, as soon as you land there on the day, it's, it's just this immense wash of relief that go, you know, I'm sorry. It's just this immense sense of relief that washes over you because a, you're there. So if, you know, if any, if any crises or fires are happening, it's like you are boots on the ground, able to address the problem. And then the other aspect of it is that, you know, you've been talking with these departments, they have been talking with each other. You've been, you know, sharing the creative changes. You've been updating people on the schedule. You know, if you have been doing all of, all of the things that, you know, your department should be doing all these other keys, all these other, you know, talented creatives and technical specialists are going to be able to communicate with each other and operate autonomously to kind of execute what needs to be done. And if a problem does arise, then they come to you. But that's always something where, you know, as production, you think of yourself as the hub of all information, but you know, what, people tend to forget as well as like, once you've kind of disseminated all that information out there, it's now with, you know, a crew full of capable people who are, you know, very, very good at figuring out solutions and solving their own problems. In addition to, you know, requiring support from you when it's needed. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, to a certain degree, it's like, you don't want to micromanage or, or no, never, never. Or, that's like, yeah. that's, <laughs> That's just, that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's more of like a, that's more of a personal pet peeve, but it's, you know, it's, it's walking that line. It's walking that line. Exactly. And I think you have to have a, a, a sense of trust, even if you're working with someone for the first time mm-hmm. that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. And, uh, you can rely on them mm-hmm. and they can rely on you. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that, that is also why, you know, this business is, is one that is so reliant on recommendations, you know, yeah, the absolutely. Time, you know, the timelines for these projects are so, are so small by comparison of, you know, your average company hiring somebody for the long term. It's like, you know, you don't know what, you don't have time to kind of go through this like formal interview and vetting process. It's like, you know, you need, you know, you want folks that, you know, come highly recommended from, you know, whoever your trusted sources are, you know, which is why, you know, people like to work with the same people over and over again because they know that they can trust them. That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's just the nature of the beast. I mean, relationships, you know, are such a big part of production mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, I, I, you know, you have a, um, someone who you find online, it's, it's, um, such a variable. Yeah. They may, they may turn out to be absolutely stellar, you know, but it's, I think one of the things when it comes to, you know, building a team or building a consistent, you know, rotation of people that you like to work with, I think what it comes down to, you know, at least what I've run into and what I, you know, subscribe to as a belief is that people want to work with other people who they like, who they know and who they trust. Yeah. And, you know, in my experience from, you know, what I've seen people who kind of have the ability to bring other people onto a job, 
they would rather work with somebody who works at, you know, 90% capacity who they like versus somebody who's, you know, a hundred percent totally great at their job, but you know, that they don't like, or that they don't even care about or don't know. So those, you know, it isn't, it isn't all just based on, you know, like an objective skill set. There is, there is something to be said for, you know, you know, having, having a kindness and having a warmth and having, you know, a good rapport with the people that you will consistently work with. Yeah. Cause when you're hiring, you're also uh, sort of setting the tone. So if you're, you're hiring people that you've never met before, you don't know if they're going to be nice or mean or, you know, stressed or happy, who the hell knows. So you really want to kind of create a, um, an environment of people that you know, and, and, and you have a good feeling that it will be a, a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, you know, you, you, at the same time, it's like, you know, you don't want to get so set in those ways. Again, there's the, you know, there's a balance in everything. So, you know, always being able to expand that network. And I think one of the, one of the key things too, is like, as a person who, I think, you know, you, you said it really well, when you, as a person who is hiring somebody, you know, you set the tone for kind of what that relationship is like. So, you know, if you, if you kind of, if you project a sense of trust and a, and a willingness to, you know, you set the expectation that, you know, you, or you, you set a high expectation for that person, but you also give them the impression that it's like, I believe that, you know, you can succeed in this role. Um, you know, that's, that, that's going to reflect, it's going to go, it's going to go, you know, both ways, you know, if, assuming, you know, one person isn't, you know, just the mo- the worst person in the world, but you know, it, it, it creates, it creates this, you know, it creates a positive working, you know, feedback loop. Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't go to film school and I, when I started, it was just um, like finding people on Craigslist and it, it took a while to sort of build up my network of people that I thought, you know, I, I, I went, I went to film school and I still scoured Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I, I have been so blessed to work with a lot of Chapman people and the network at Chapman. I, you know, and I've had a few Chapman people on the show. Uh, and I, I think there's, it's, um, it's amazing to, to go to film school and have that sort of that embedded network. But obviously that's a, a limited pool and you have to keep expanding it through, mm-hmm. you know, meeting people out in the field and online. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, having having a, a base of people that you like to work with or a, a core team is really um, kind of how you really get going in this business. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's for many of us, it's like part of it is, you know, the reason why we got into this business as well. It's like, you know, you don't always get to, you know, you don't always get to work on, you know, the most, you know spiritually fulfilling or emotionally fulfilling, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, cool. Like sometimes a job is just a job, but you know, what, what makes it better is, you know, I mean, as a lot of people that I know have said, you get to make cool shit with your friends. That's basically the bottom line. You know, that's doesn't that, that, that doesn't always necessarily pay the bills, but you know, you, you, you sprinkle that in with, you know, the things that are job to job and, you know, what does that all add up to? It adds up to, you know, a pretty rewarding career. Yeah. I, I think that's the value. I think you, you nailed it. So. That, 
that's I think that I learned that along the way of uh, just from producing that. It really um, it's more it's, to me and I like successful film is great, but it's more about the people you make it with and the experience you have making it with them. To me, that's the dream. That's the that's the the, the fun of it. Yeah, and in many and in many ways, I do think that I do think that that positive crew rapport, um, especially in a long term project, that that can really that can really lend itself to contributing to the overall product. It's like you know, because what what that crew is putting into you know, even if it's a low budget project, if, if they believe in it and they they've kind of formed this you know tight knit bond, it's like you know, it's it's this intangible thing that I feel exists where, you know, they, their, their positive energy, the, the effort that they are putting into their roles and their jobs and the trust that they have in each other, it, it will somehow, it will somehow come up, come out eh, words. It will somehow come out on the screen. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I, I believe that too. I've had a couple of movies where, um, we've, it just it was all like everyone I really wanted to work with came on and, and it was just like this magical experience. And I, I think there's also times where it is, you know, like a, a job for money, but, um, and there are people that you don't know, but if you can kind of work towards getting everyone within that uh, positive cohesive unit, I think um, no matter how challenging the product, the project is um, good things can come out of it. Yeah. I mean, I had a case, uh, I had a case with a, um, it was like a tier zero feature that I did at the end of uh, 2018. And I was, um, I was the production soup on it and it was hands down, probably the most, the most stressed I'd ever been in a job in my life. Um, and it was, crazy. Cause like, you know, I had, I had a good, I had a good line producer. We had a great second AD. It's like spent a lot of time in the production office. I mean, a lot of time, so much to the job, so much of the job was like, you know, just, you know, the, the changes and the punches that come with, you know, having next to no money and, you know, Lord knows not enough days to shoot. And I remember, you know, after we wrapped it out and they invited us to the crew screening, like must've been five months later. Yeah. And I saw that, and I saw the movie, I was just like, I was like, dude, totally worth it. And again, it's like, even when I was done, even when I was done, like I wrapped the project, it's like I had, you know, it was right at Christmas. I wrapped the project. I got to relax for seven days and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm willing to do it again. Let's, yeah. let's you know, jump right back into the fire. But you know, it was, it was crazy because when I look back on it, I think over the course of like a 16 or 17 day shoot, I was on set for maybe four takes of the entire thing. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's how that's how wild this job was. Wow! Um, just couldn't so, get away from your computer. Yeah, and like I mean, even even then, it was just like even when I did step away from the computer, I was just like, all right, cool. Like you know, we I got I got to go help, I got to go help locations deal with this, or it's like you know we're you know crank, you know we're cranking out payroll, or like you know my my coordinator's got to go on a run to go get this other thing, and you know again, it was just a it was a case where, you know, when there was downtime, it's like, I was like, I don't want to go on to set right now. It's like, you know, I need to need to take five and, you know, <laughs> breathe so that I can be ready for the next, be ready for the next thing that comes through. Yeah. But, uh, 
yeah, no, it's, it, it was one of those cases where, you know, I knew, I knew that the crew that we did have and the crew that, you know, when I was interacting with them, it was, it was very, it was very positive and, you know, all of that effort and all of that, you know, care and dedication that was put into that project, you know, beyond the scope of a paycheck, uh, really did come out on screen from that cut. And I was like, okay, you know, I think this will, there's, there's something, there was something behind this. So self-fulfilling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that's like the icing on the cake is when you have just like, when, when you can watch a finished product that uh, is comprised of all the hard work of so many people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, uh, it's almost like a tangible object of the, the, the creative force that was put into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know if people that see the movie will feel that, but it's cool that, that, that you could connect on that. And I think that's a lot of, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, even as, even as somebody like who, who is familiar with film, it's like, I don't, I don't know how often I've like finished a film and been like, Oh yeah. Like the crew must've absolutely loved to be a part of that. I think it's, you know, I think it's very much one of those situations where it's like, you got to be a part of that experience, like that unique film experience to, you know, to know it's like, I'm not, you know, I don't know what the crew on this other film was like, but it's like, you know, I know what it was like on my set and I know what it was like with these people. And, you know, that's, that's, I think that's another one of those things that, you know, when you do have projects like that, it's a, it's an emotional experience and a high that the crew members who were a part of that get to call their own. Right. And I think, um, you always kind of have that as like a special project or, uh, mm-hmm. As, as one of the ones where you'll never forget, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's like a highlight of, uh, of, of your work. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, thank you so much, Nathaniel. This was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate your time being on the show today. This is cool. Yeah, for sure, man. I'm, uh, very glad to take the time and very glad you reached out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of, Tales from the crew.